Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. From Mamma Mia, hi, I'm Claire Murphy. Welcome to the quickie getting you up to speed daily. Peanut butter, eggs, prawns, milk. For some people, that's a grocery list. For others, a list of potentially deadly substances. It's scary. It's really scary. My throat instantly closes up. Breathing becomes really difficult. My lips swell up. Food allergies are so commonplace in 2019, we know not to send kids to school with peanut butter sandwiches. We're asked to list dietary issues on our wedding RSVPs. And restaurants are very careful about listing off ingredients in every addition to your dish because that tiny bit of peanut or fish in the oil they use to cook it could send someone to hospital. But why are there so many of us suffering food allergies these days? And what can we do to try and slow those numbers? We speak to an immunologist to get some answers. Here in Australia, 1% to 2% of all adults, 4% to 8% of children under 5, and 10% of kids under 1 have a proven food allergy. And those numbers are on the rise. The most common triggers in kids are eggs, peanuts, tree nuts and cow's milk. Some less common include sesame, soy and wheat. And you're more likely to develop an allergy to fish and shellfish when you're older. While a lot of people eventually grow out of their food allergy issues, those allergic to peanuts, tree nuts, sesame and seafood are more likely to have it for life. Like our Mamma Mia colleague, Ricky. So I've been allergic to peanuts as long as I can remember. I would have been about three or four the first time I had a peanut and my throat instantly closes up. Breathing becomes really difficult. My lips swell up. And literally within five minutes, I need to get to a hospital to get all of those symptoms to relax. So it's quite distressing, especially when the airways are cut off. Of course, that's the one thing that you, you get really nervous about losing is your ability to breathe and getting oxygen into your lungs. So you start trying to breathe even more to compensate for what you're not getting into your body. It's really, it's a really awful feeling. What's it like to live with on a day-to-day basis? Is it constantly something you have to monitor? I don't have to monitor it as such purely because I've lived with it my whole life. No matter where I go or what cuisine I eat, I have to give instructions to the waitress. I've had to give instructions to people in the kitchen to ensure that they understand that, you know, it's not just peanuts, it's peanut oil, it's using the same utensils. It's it's quite a process and you can get a little bit nervous, but I think because I've been doing it for such a long time, I know what questions to ask, but still some people don't take it as seriously as they should. Now, also you happen to be the mum of a child who also has some food allergies. What is it like for you sending her off to school or to a birthday party or to a sleepover? What does that feel like as a parent to know that she might consume something completely by accident that could send her off to the emergency room? It's scary. It's really scary. My daughter's eight. She's allergic to egg, dairy, mango and peanuts. We have had a number of really scary experiences where she's ended up in hospital, mainly due to egg. 
I find the barrier or the challenge most of the time can be with other parents. They don't necessarily take it as seriously. So, you know, you still find things like Nutella creep into the lunchboxes, eggs, they're not excluded. So I guess from from my daughter's point of view, we're very fortunate that she's really on top of what she can and can't eat and that we encourage her to share that with other kids, other parents, as well as the teachers so that kids know to wash their hands rather than touching her at playtime and things like that. Birthday parties, we pack her treats for birthday parties so she can't eat the cake, she can't eat the snacks or, you know, the lunch that people make. Eating out has probably been the trickiest. We've had some really, really bad experiences in restaurants where we've given instructions that haven't been followed and she's ended up in hospital. The symptoms range from mild to terrifying and even fatal, from red itchy skin and hives to watery eyes, coughing and sneezing, to vomiting and the swelling of the face, lips and difficulty breathing. For many sufferers, their medication, including a shot of epinephrine or an EpiPen, need to be carried with them at all times. And if there's a delay in getting that medication into them, it is rare, but they could stop breathing altogether. People with these problems have to make sure everyone around them is educated, knowing that one slip from a teacher, friend, parent of a friend or restaurant could be fatal. Professor Diane Campbell is the Chair of Paediatric Allergy and Clinical Immunology at Westmead Children's Hospital. Professor, let's start off real basic here. What exactly is a food allergy? What's it doing to our bodies when we have one? So the most common form of food allergy is where your body has made a specific type of antibody against the protein in the food. And so when you're exposed to it again, what has happened is those antibodies recognise the protein that you've eaten and they cause these cells that line your gastrointestinal system and your lungs and are in your skin to release a whole lot of things, including histamine, which is, I guess, the one everyone knows because of antihistamines, and that causes all the symptoms of food allergies. Have we always, as humans, had issues being allergic to foods? Can we go back in history and pinpoint when this started to become a problem, or is it just something that's always been with us? Probably people have always had food allergy, but not nearly as commonly. So certainly back in the very early 1900s, it was definitely described. But we know now from pretty good studies that over the last, say, three decades, this type of what we call IgE-mediated, that allergy antibody uh, food allergy, has definitely increased. And that's not just because we're better at diagnosing it. How do we fare here in Australia compared to the rest of the world as far as food allergies go? Are we better or are we worse? We're winning, which is not good. Also in the worst way, okay. (laughs) Yes, we're winning in the worst way. Partly possibly because we've been one of the countries who's really measured it very well. There's a very large study which looked at a huge population in Melbourne, nearly 5,000 babies and then followed them through. So we have excellent data in Australia and very few countries have replicated that. But the countries that have, we still seem to be the leader. Yeah, so that's a bad thing. And we don't really understand exactly why that is the case. There's lots of theories and some things that we definitely know to be true now that have driven that increase. But why Australia particularly, 
we really don't know. Okay, well, let's talk about some of those theories. Because when I was pregnant with my daughter, I had a midwife say to me, please expose your child to things like peanuts and egg and those traditionally common food allergies as early as possible. Because through the 90s, we were told to tell parents not to expose your children and they feel partly responsible for this influx of food allergies. Is that one of the theories that is being looked at? Yep, and that is one of the theories that is actually true. So we know that at least for peanut and egg, and we think it probably applies to other foods, but we don't know it for absolutely sure. And that was based on some really soft evidence, actually, and it just became a really pervasive thought throughout the US in particular, but also England, a lot of Europe and Australia, on the basis of one extremely large study, the LEAP study, and that looked at peanut and also similar studies that were done with egg for at least those foods. If you are at risk of having a food allergy, and we know the things that put you at risk are having eczema when you're very little, and certainly if they've already acquired a food allergy and also if they have a family history, their siblings might have asthma or hay fever So we know for those babies that if you can get egg and peanut into their diet within the first year of life, then you get a significant reduction in your risk. But it doesn't take your risk away entirely. There are some people who are already allergic. We think that diversity in diet is important and definitely not avoiding foods, of course, unless you're already allergic to them, in which case you should avoid them. What about the theory that we're too clean these days? Yeah, so that is a theory that is sort of morphed from we're too clean, which is not really actually what the original theory said, but it sort of got taken up by the media as we use cleaning on our surfaces and things too much, which is not what it was really originally about. The hygiene hypothesis has really morphed now to it's probably very important to have the right type of bugs and that probably includes in your gastrointestinal tract and that is influenced by all sorts of things like whether you breastfed or not, whether you've had exposure to a wide range of foods including foods with fibre in them, just a whole range of things. There's no real substantiation to the, if you wipe your floors more often, you will get more allergic disease. That's not really what that's about, but it's probably really important to be colonised with those right sort of bugs from early on. And that may include things like pets, which isn't to say that all microorganisms are good because they're obviously not. We know lots of them cause disease as well. So there's got to be a balance. So you don't necessarily have to go and coat your children in mud to prevent allergic disease. We don't know that yet. We don't know what the right recipe is, but we do know that it seems to be very important and it keeps on coming up in the research as being important. So maybe not coated in dirt, but a lick from the dog every now and then might be okay. Yeah, well, certainly (laughs) probably not going to be harmful, yeah. (laughs) Well, you did mention some of the research that's being done into this. Is anyone really breaking ground on treating food allergies, because there's no cure for it at the minute. What's happening in the world as far as looking at helping those people who already have an allergy rather than preventing it? The therapies that are currently under study or being trialled in other countries really involve desensitising people to the foods they're allergic to. For food allergy, there's a couple of ways in which the research has been looking at 
trying to desensitize people to the food they're allergic to. And one of them is having very small amounts of the food pretty much every day and then slowly building up tolerance. And that's definitely not something you should be doing at home by yourself. And that's called oral immunotherapy. And then there's some other research about using these biological drugs that are a new class of drugs that we already use in Australia for things like asthma and they really act on those cells that release the things like histamine to calm them right down to make them less likely to burst open and provide all that histamine and things. And then there's other forms of immunotherapy under trial, looking at trying to desensitize people through the skin. So using a patch. So I think that there is a lot of promise in all of these therapies. It will be great when we finally have something that's available, that's safe and effective to treat, well, not just children, but children and adults with food allergy. Professor Campbell says that at this stage, unlike with asthma rates, which have started to plateau, the rate of food allergies is continuing to rise. And with no solid reason as to why, we can only hope that this next generation of children who've been exposed to allergy-inducing foods at an earlier age will lead to future generations who don't need to be terrified every time they go on holiday or to school or a birthday party or dinner out just in case they encounter something that could kill them. But if someone close to you has a food allergy and they start to show signs of a reaction, get their medicine into them quick smart. After that, call Triple O immediately and learn how to use an EpiPen. Handy hint, you have to take the cap off first. But most importantly, Ricky says you need to take food allergies seriously because it's no joke to end up in the ER after dinner. It's a real thing and it's not something that you can avoid. It's something that at the end of the day kids are born with or they develop later in life and it needs to be taken seriously because kids can get really, really sick. This episode of The Quickie was produced by Ellie Beattie with audio production by Ian Camilleri. For more episodes, head to mamamia.com.au forward slash the quickie.